<laughs> uh, what's the ministry? What is the ministry? What's the right? So uh, our yeah our uh, organization is called Cadence International, okay. which is a um, international organization, non uh, denominational, non sectarian or- organization that ministers specifically to military people and their families around the world. Okay. Um, because even though the military, uh, it's, I mean, it's not a big population. It's less than 1% of, of America, uh, population-wise. They're largely forgotten. or sure. Mainly because of what we're talking about. Yeah. Like, they're just, they're so transient. It's like, well, why would I take time to invest in the military? Because they're just going to leave. Yeah. But uh, Cadence, um, you know, our organization that we're a part of, they see that and say, why don't we equip these people with the gospel so that wherever they go, sure. they can be God's agent of love to the world? Because, I mean, some of these guys, they're going to go downrange. I'm not going to Afghanistan. I'm not going to, you know, places in Africa, but these guys are. Yes. So why don't I give them the gospel so where they go, the good news the of Jesus goes. Christ will go too. Yeah. So that's, that's really the, the ministry is about living life with one another equipping people equipping the saints to further the gospel so yeah it's it's um it's a lot of work though oh i'm sure how long have you been with cadence so we've been with cadence for five years oh okay but we've been in virginia beach like it in our actual Current i guess capacity. on the field yeah for yeah. three years okay yeah and where were you before that school oh okay yeah and before that, I was in the Navy, so... How long were you in the Navy? Four years. Four years. Yep, just one enlistment. I was out in Guam. It was a lot of this rain. Yeah, this is quite the... Uh, the downpour. I wasn't sure what we were going to what we were gonna get. I, I was looking at the weather, and I saw rain, which I love. I love uh, being here in, in the garage in the rain. I don't know. It's um, something pleasant about it. But this is a lot. Um... Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, thanks for coming out, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know. Like, what? Nothing. This is it. Sweet. Do you want a... I have, obviously, drinks. Would you like something to... There's plenty of water. Yeah, I'm cool or with there's, water. Or there's uh, beer in there and... I'm cool with water for now. Okay. Me too. Um, I have something for you. Oh, you do? I do. Just for you. Just for me. I wrapped it and everything. Mmm. You shouldn't have. Uh, I, sh- I really should have. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> okay. I used painter tape as ribbon, so uh, it's harder to open than maybe it should be. <laughs> it's a book? Oh, yeah, it's a book. It's a book. It's a book. Oh, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> Look, this guy... <laughs> This guy, Mr. Joseph Fletcher, yeah. the situation, ethics, new morality. The new morality, oh, baby. No. Oh. This guy has followed me around. <laughs> <laughs> so I wondered if you, I, I had hoped you were aware of him. Thanks uh, for that. You're welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> I am very aware of Mr. <laughs> Joseph Fletcher. Yeah. I couldn't not. So I was listening to um, a lecture by Bonson. I've been yeah. listening to a, to a ton of Bonson lectures lately, and he kept on talking about 
the new morality and yeah. situation ethics. And then eventually he, he name dropped Joe Fletcher. And yeah. I was like, oh my, I have to look it up. <laughs> so I looked him up and uh, I didn't realize it was like a, I didn't realize he had a book yeah. necessarily outlining his entire, but I was like, I have to get this for Joe. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have the have the book yet, I do you? I don't. Uh, well, you're welcome. Yet? Uh, well, I guess I do now. <laughs> no, he, uh, he's, how do I say this? The things he stood for are pretty evil. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me, I, I read about half of it. Yeah. And uh, I have a, a favorite excerpt. I have two favorite excerpts. While you're looking that up. So yeah. a, little, a little known fact is his wife was like best friends with Margaret Sanger, who was... It makes sense. Who was, you know... Oh, yeah. Well, I'll read the other excerpt. Yeah, go, you, you go for Well, now I'll read both. Yeah. There's one about abortion. So I can continue. His yeah, wife well, was... Well, best friends with Margaret Sanger, and it was like, um, the more you, you kind of learn about the people you're named after. <laughs> well, I'm not named after this <laughs> I guy. I hope you're not named after Well, him. technically, we, we were both named after this guy in time, but... And, no, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> but no, like... It, it's just like it's horribly disgusting, horribly racist. Hor anyway, you read the excerpt and you tell me. Oh, it's real bad. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is concerning abortion, and uh, so I should, I guess, for the listener, I should outline situation ethics. Yes, yeah, go for um, it. Situation ethics is a worldview that claims that the ultimate ethic is love and yeah i mean obviously define your terms right yeah but it claims that the ultimate ethic in any scenario in any situation in all of life is love and so in any given situation the path of quote unquote I, no he doesn't even use the word righteousness the path of rightness yeah or the right the, the the correct way is to uh, express, demonstrate, uh, promote love. The problem is um, the situation ethicist kind of gets to define what that means. Yeah. So obviously it's, it, it, it devolves into relativism very, very quickly. Very quickly. So this is, um, this is a, a portion about abortion and so this, he's talking about um, the situation is um, a young a, a girl is raped by a, a uh, mentally insane man. The father and other people in the community want her to get an abortion, and obviously this is a this is a conundrum as old as time. And so this is uh, this is what Joe says. He says they would one hopes reason that it is not killing because there is no person or human life in an embryo at an early stage of pregnancy. Aristotle and St. Thomas held that opinion. Or even if it were killing, it would not be murder, because it is self-defense against, in this case, not one but two aggressors. First, there is the rapist, who being insane was morally and legally innocent, and then there is the quote-unquote innocent embryo, which is continuing the ravisher's original aggression. Even self-defense legalism would have allowed the girl to kill her attacker, no matter that he was innocent in the form of conscience because of his madness. The embryo is no more innocent, no less an aggressor or unwelcome invader. It is not the most loving thing possible, the right thing in this case, a responsible decision to terminate the pregnancy. So, so because, because she was raped, 
he says that the embryo is a continuation of the aggression and just as yeah. just as uh, guilty of a crime as the and and the and the insane guy isn't guilty at all. Yeah, because he's insane. He's insane. So we can't hold him to us to any real law. Yeah. Anyway, so here's the next one. I think these two kind of sum up everything. To those in the scriptural law camp, we can say, oh yes, you may sincerely believe that, quote, holy writ is, quote, word, the word of God, but if you try to literalize the ethical sayings in it, you will soon find yourself in lots worse trouble than the mere headache of trying to figure out what some sayings mean, such as render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's, mm-hmm. or how to figure out what to do when you turn its maxims into rules, do not resist one who is evil. Either cheap melancholy or utter frustration will follow if we turn the Bible into a rules book, forgetting that an editorial collection of scattered sayings, such as the Sermon on the Mount, offers us at the most some paradigms or suggestions. Only the summary of the law is the law. Brunner is quite right. Quote, None of the commandments in the Sermon on the Mount are to be understood as laws, so that those who hear them can go away feeling, now I know what I have to do. <laughs> yeah, that's so uh, bad. That is quite awful. So that's your namesake, and uh, I'm glad you could be here. <laughs> Joseph Fletcher, Situation Ethics. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh... He was, he was pretty dogmatic in his views, and... Well, he, I didn't know that he... I mean, he started quite the movement. He didn't start it, but he, he was definitely it? a part of it. Okay. Uh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but Joseph Fletcher was... was a big part of this whole postmodernism sort yeah. of... Well, situation ethics. It does. You, you can't have ethics. It 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 depends on the context Correct. of every situation is so different from the next. Right. Which I mean, to a, to an extent, I agree. But sure. then, but then, when you talk about how there is no absolute no. So there's yeah, yeah. That's one of my other favorite reports. In the beginning, he says the situation ethicist avoids at all costs words like never and always. Right. And then he proceeds to tell you that you always must apply right. love to... <laughs> right. Yeah. It's always a, a self-defeating argument. Yeah, of course. So he didn't start the movement. Well, he was he was a part of it. There's okay. actually... I mean, you can get into conspiracies with it real quick, but there's there was this, um, this documentary I just saw not too long ago featuring... Uh, our boy. Our boy, <laughs> Mr. Fletcher. Um talking about how there was this movement um, back in the 20s and in the 30s of how do we deconstruct America? Oh, wow. And it was it was really coming from the perspective of like the Soviets and the Nazis and they were like, yeah, how, yeah, do we, yeah. how do we destroy them? Yeah. Well, we destroy them from within yeah. and how do we do that? What's the best way to do that? We have to break down the morality. Uh, America traditionally has always had held to Judeo-Christian values. Yep. It's like, well, so let's get rid of that. How do we do that? You go after morality. And so there was this kind of, again, it's conspiracy. I can't remember the name of the, the documentary, but it was like Enemies Within or something. I don't, I don't know what it's called. I think I know what you're talking about. Did you see the, um, there's a video of a Russian guy um, who defected giving an interview and saying, Talking about um, not espionage techniques, but but uh, techniques of dis- of deconstruction. Yeah, and he's saying exactly these things. Yeah, he's saying like, tell them that everything is tell tell yeah. If you tell your people that everything 
is a right that, that if liberty becomes license, t yeah. tell them that what that what li what freedom is is yeah. whatever you want to do, mm -hmm. and make sure that they are so attached to that axiom that yeah. they believed in the core of them that anything that they want is permissible. Then right. they're eventually just kill themselves. Right, and and so that was the idea of this um, movement. Again, I, I don't remember what it's called, and I'm sure it's just a conspiracy, though it was pretty compelling. Um, this idea of well, you have to get to the pastors. Okay. And so these um, these academics like Joseph Fletcher and this this other guy I can't remember his name they really uh, pose themselves as moral, you know, good. Not so much Joseph Fletcher, this other guy, and and got into seminaries and started Oof. teaching situational ethics or situation ethics, however you want to say, it, um, within seminaries to get the pastors on this idea of well yeah you know depending on your situation yes no and, yeah. and so back in probably during the cold war really you started to see this rise of liberalism within the christian or the american church um where things started to become way more polarized than it had been previously yeah and a lot of the documentary was talking about how joseph fletcher and his ideas really Man, I'll have to look up this documentary. I can't remember what it was called. My, my brother-in-law had it, but um, I want to say it was like Enemies Within or something. It's that's That title sounds very familiar. I mean, I'm sure there's a, a lot with that. <laughs> I'm going to type Joe Fletcher documentary, although it might not come up by his name. It, it wasn't just about, about right. him, but yeah, his ideas are detrimental to... Against the Tide? Nah. No. I'll text my brother-in-law. Okay, yeah. But, yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to, to find it. Um, well, that's it. I didn't know we were going to talk about <laughs> Joseph Fletcher, but I'm, I'm kind of glad I know. I am, so too. I don't look like an idiot. <laughs> well, uh, I wouldn't go that far. <clears throat> no. Okay, very well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you knew the name. Um, I mean, it would have been funny if you didn't, too, but... Uh, yeah. So tell me about this paper that you had to write... That was one of the things I was excited to... Uh, oh, my lord. Okay. Yeah, you said the paper was... I'm trying to look up what you said to me. The topic was multiculturalism and social justice awareness. Yeah. Yeah. So, for this class that I just just passed, so oh. we're good. I don't know if I should... It worked. We'll just say there's this class that I just... <laughs> um, and multicultural awareness and individual diversity, I think, is what the, the class was called. Um, and really for eight weeks it was just about race it was all just race 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 um, a lot of the content was like race baiting kind of stuff and was this an in-person class or no was it, it was it was online okay. and um, the thing about it the thing that strikes me is like culture is way more than the color of your skin um, sure. Specifically for me, growing up in a Navy house and then joining the Navy and um, being within the military my whole life. Yeah. Race has never factored in, ever. Um, growing up, my friends were all different colors. My, you know, in, in the Navy, I, I worked with more people of color than white people. It was just like, that's just how it was. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter who you looked like, it was just who you were it really was the uh the idea of like martin luther yeah. king jr of 
the content of your character, not right. And so, all throughout this class, it's just like race, 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 race. And then we we got to the point where it was like, um, you have to pick a culture that you want to learn more about. Okay. Um, one that's different from your own. And so on on this discussion board or whatever of like twenty students, all you see is like Asian American, African American, all, you know, all these races. It's like, how do I approach this without violating my ethics? Because I think that in itself is racist. Yeah, of course. Um, and so um, what I ended up doing was, uh, what I said is, I want to learn about um, naval officers, that culture, or, um, you know, enlisted Marines. I don't oh, know okay. anything about that culture. Or, you know, and it, it was like, I'll play your game, but I'm not going to... You know, take the race bait. You know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about race. I don't. I don't care about that kind of stuff. Um, culture is 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 way deeper than the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's basically what I did. Is you know, I, I go and I inter- interviewed a lot of different naval officers um, to see what that specifically like surface warfare because I my background is more uh, aviation, naval aviation. Oh, okay. And so it's like I have no. That's a different language. Navy is really like four branches in one oh. branch. You have you have surface Navy, which is like ships. Okay. Uh, you have aviation, which is obviously planes. You have um, uh, what's it what's it called? Oh my goodness, Seabees, uh, which is yep. like the construction guys. Yeah. You know? That's those are all different. And then you have like submarines. It's just different. Sure. The way they talk to each other is different. Um, and so the, because the culture is different. Um, deployments are different. Everything is different between the four. And so um, that was my thing. And I was like, I'm going to go do this instead. That's, and, a, that's a fantastic approach. Well, th- that was my thought. It's like, if you want me to learn about cultures and expand my idea of cultures, then I'll do that. But I'm not going to play this... Racial essentialism. Yeah. God, it was so frustrating. There was, there was one, there was one um, part of the class where it was like, you have to watch a video... Um, but it wasn't like graded. You just have to watch it. Uh, you don't have to give your, you know, what you say about it or whatever. It was non-graded uh, assignment. And in this video, it was like a TED talk. And this woman was talking about all of these social justice warriors or whatever over the years. And yeah. Included people like Martin Luther King, um, Rosa Parks. It's like, okay, yeah. And then it was like Colin Kaepernick. And it's like, what's going on here? And then it's just like, you know, more, more, more. These, it's like, okay, what's happening? Um, and so quickly in the video, I was like, I really don't agree with a lot of this stuff. It, it really come down to like situational ethics, right? Yeah. But uh, the thing that was super frustrating was it was non-graded. And there was like a little asterisk on the, on the assignment that said, we, we're not looking for your opinion about this video. We, we just want to hear um, what are some things that you notice. And it's, it's like it's, you're not allowed to be... To critique the critique content. It. You're not allowed yeah. to combat what this video is saying. And it's like... What are this we doing? Is, this is higher education. Right. We're supposed this to... This is the whole... We're supposed to interrogate ideas. That's yeah, the whole point. Exactly. <laughs> and it was... I mean, this is a master's program. And, and the thing about it was like... Um, we don't want you to critique it. Yeah. 
we don't want you to have an opinion on it. We just want you to hear it. And it's like, well, if this is an indoctrination, I don't know what it is. Yeah. You know? And so, yes, yeah, that sort of stuff is is furthering the divide, in my opinion. 100%. That's in an already polarized country. Wow. Yeah. All that to say, that that, that um, paper that I wrote just came down to, well, I'm going to... I'll look at a different culture, but it's not yeah. what everybody else is doing. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good approach. Yeah, it, and it's it it really gives a lie to the whole racial essentialist argument because, like you said, culture is more than skin color. Skin yeah. color is is almost irrelevant in in it's virtually virtually irrelevant. There are so many cultures, and I would argue more cultures than not depend on things that aren't even uh, geographical yeah. uh, commonality, mm -hmm. which is obviously one of the biggest driving factor in, in like skin color. Sure. But like like you're saying, <clears throat> the culture of, the, the, there are four, four, you know, those four cultures in the, in the Navy you just talked about, the Seabees and the um, Surface Navy and aviation mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, yeah, like, like you said, there's no, skin color has zero to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, or like Christianity, or or a different religion. Um, obviously, there are some religions that are that are more localized, or even like, obviously, Islam is. You're gonna obviously have more of one uh, ethnicity. Sure. Um, but a Judeo-Christian culture is not bound by whiteness, even though that's what we're told. Mm -hmm. It goes way. It was before white people. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so bad. The, the interesting, the, the, one of the things that I find interesting, well, I don't know, interesting, maybe that's not the right word, but, like, having Martin Luther King and Colin Kaepernick in the same, in the same category, break. because yeah. <clears throat> the problem is they're making a category er error saying these are social justice warriors, but the term social justice is a problem when you don't define it. Yeah. Because that, if you don't define your terms, you don't define social justice, then you end up with people with two ends of a spectrum. Because I promise you, Martin Luther King Jr. would not be a fan of, yeah, yeah, Colin Kaepernick's ideology, and yeah. vice versa. I mean, we know what. I mean, Martin Luther King had his had his problems too, but he said content of character, not color of skin. Mm -hmm. Colin Kaepernick is saying the exact opposite. So yeah. there's a problem with the term social justice. Yeah. And if you say, like, if you change it, just say we're gonna <clears throat> we're gonna do a documentary or whatever this was on people who you know, pushed justice, you also have to define that term, but, <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, but a meaningful definition of justice does not include social justice. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult to step out of my own, uh, how, how do I want to say this? Like we all have presuppositions. We all have biases. We, we, we or biases, however you want to say that. Um, and it, it's hard to step out of that and see an actual merit to some of these arguments. Yeah. Um, like if my my cultural background, we can say it like that. Like within military context, it's the objective that matters. 
Sure. It's not the subjective, it's the objective. Right. You have a mission, this is what you have to do, complete it. Yep. Um, and so whenever, we he- whenever I hear things like, you know, there's systemic racism or there's s- systemic injustice, it's like, okay, point to that. I need an objective. Where is yeah. it? You show, show me where me it, it is and I will be right beside show you. Show me it. But when, but when it's in like this nebulous kind yeah. of like, well, it's happening. It's, it's right in front of you. It's like, well, you need to explain it to me because I, I can't see it. If this is really happening, I'm right beside you. Yeah, of course. Linked arms. Let's do this. Yeah, but let's if fight. I can't yeah. see it, but then if you can't see it, you're, you're part ra- of the problem. You're racist, yeah. yeah. I was it's, about to say the same thing. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, what do you do? Like, how do you... Well, it's a Kafka trap. I mean, you yeah. can't, yeah, you can't win. There's no... But that's the thing, like, be, but yeah. that's because you're white. If, uh, if yeah. you... Darn the luck. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, again, it's this, it's this single-factor analysis garbage that yeah. says we're going to decide who you are based on one thing, yeah. which is an immutable characteristic, by the way, so mm-hmm. you have nothing to do with it. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to say whiteness is, you know, akin to... A, a, it's the closest meaningful... Um, or maybe it's the clo- closest parallel that the that the hard left has for sin mm-hmm. is whiteness. Because yeah, you don't have to be white to, to be guilty of, of whiteness. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not even... It, it, it has it be, it has become much more than just saying, well, your skin color is light. Mm-hmm. It's it's become an entire um, sin structure. Mm-hmm. And to repent is to be an ally and be an anti-racist. Yeah. And there's no redemption. You just... Uh, just yeah keep on trying to do better yeah it's so dark it is it's just a you know a miscolorization of the truth that's what everything is that's what everything is yeah it's just this is that's what situation that's what joe is the highest ethic is love well that's kind of true it's like but what but yeah do we gotta define that yeah what is love yeah baby don't don't hurt hurt me man so we were we were going uh my uh our Bible study on Friday nights, we're going through Titus. We just started in Titus. Oh, cool. Um, we just looked at the first four verses last night. Uh, but one of the things that we saw um, in verse 2, well, let me just read the first four verses. Yeah. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus my true child in the common faith grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord or our Savior uh, the thing that that stood out to me last night uh, again context is key right so historical context of, of Titus is like he's in Crete to okay. you know Greek island and they are not unfamiliar with gods, right? You yep. have their pantheon of gods, and Crete, their specific god that they took credit for, that they praised, that they worshipped, was Zeus. Mm. Um, and Zeus was notorious for lying and cheating and deceiving and seducing to get his way. Right? Sure. Um, and so in verse 2, when it says, uh, which God, who never lies, mm. promised before the age, ages began... You know, Paul is differentiating. This God that I'm talking about is not Zeus. Right. This God can't lie. Some translations say, which yeah, God who can, says yeah, cannot lie. Can, cannot lie. He can't. Yeah. 
It's like this is a different God, right? But this idea of God who never lies, can't lie, it's impossible, right? It, it, it indicates, well, so what God says determines the truth. Yeah. And so when we're talking about all of these different kind of uh, miscolorizations of the truth, we're talking about anti what God is saying. Sure. Right? And so you have this idea, like, I think what you're you're saying, at least the uh, uh, the vein of, of what you're saying, where whiteness is sin and repentance is allied and yeah, know, that, yeah. that sort of, it's just a miscolorization of what God says is yes. true. Yeah. And, and it's just the heart of man trying to make sense of their situation because, I mean, it's, no man is without excuse. We all know. Oh, yeah. yeah or woman or... <laughs> birthing person. Birthing person. <clears throat> we all know that there is a God. We all know that there is evil. We all know. We're just trying to make sense of it. But God makes it plain, right? It's not Gnosticism. There's no hidden knowledge here. God makes it plain yep. uh, in his word. That's really good, the, the, the idea that because he will, will not, cannot lie. Cannot is, a, is an interesting... I mean, I think that's probably why some translations don't say cannot. Yeah. Because it's... You're saying God can't do something. Right, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, people, I, people get... get <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, that. I understand. Um, Sake of argument. No. Yeah, but, <laughs> but uh, to say God... You're, when you said God cannot lie, therefore what God says is not just happens to be true, but it is truth. Determines it. Right, it determines truth. That's such an important distinction because this whole, all of this goes to the idea of by what standard are we yeah. deciding, what's our epistemology? What, mm -hmm. what are we, how do we understand what truth is? Yeah. And if you have God's law as a standard, which obviously Fletcher and, et, Fletcher et al. eschew as, you know, what does he say? Uh, what did he call the, the Sermon on the Mount? Just uh, a collection of, of phrases, page 77. Page 77? Yeah. At the, the bottom paragraph. Just something for you to just walk away with. What does he, what does he say? You said bottom paragraph? It's like the penultimate paragraph. I think. None of the commandments in the Sermon on the Mount are to be understood as laws. So that... go, go a little bit before that. Okay. It says Sermon on the Mount. On... Sermon on the Mount offers us at the most some paradigms or suggestions. Yeah. Paradigms are suggestions. Yeah, and then he goes on to say that, like, if you, if you, if you um, understand the Bible to be a book of rules, yeah, you're, you're, you know, he says you're, you'll end up in in crippling melancholy or something. Yeah. So, but but the problem is that with he he has rules. Yeah. He, everyone has rules that they live by, and so the question is, you know, where do the rules come from, and if you're a situation ethics or anything else besides uh, a believer in Jesus, your rules are going to end up in your in your demise. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. So in that same vein, like back to back to social justice versus justice. Yeah. The word justice in I think most places in the Bible is trans, is actually righteousness. Is like the original to be made. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that's a completely foreign concept. To a leftist ideology or a mm -hmm. or a um, situation ethics ideology, righteousness is a um, is a hard and fast line, yeah. and it's dictated by the true word of God, who mm -hmm. cannot lie. Yeah. So either you're righteous or you're not, and yeah, social justice is actually a, not just doesn't quite line up. It's actually a, 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 a diametrically opposed proposition. Yeah. What was the other page? 
Uh, 77, what was the other one? I can find it. I, I, it's, in, it's toward the, the beginning. The, uh, it just, you yeah, just reminded 39. me. Yeah, 39. Paragraph here. So, what does it say? Aristotle and St. Thomas held to the opinion that oh, the yeah. embryo isn't really a person. Right. It's funny. So, Aristotle, there's, there's another thing that he's accredited to. I think it's Aristotle. He was the one, you know, the, the philosophers of, you know, the beginning of civilization. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Aristotle who was saying that the way that you understand that something is a table is you compare it to what is the ultimate table. Yeah. Right? We know this is a table. Because, yeah, teleology. Right. Because somewhere is the ultimate table and we can yeah. compare the two. Um, and then same with... Hello? It's one of your children. Eva? What are you doing, baby? This is Mr. Fletcher. Hey, kiddo. <laughs> All right, close the door, baby. All right, see ya. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, so compare it to an, the ultimate table, yeah, the, the yeah. archetypal table. Right, there you go. Um, so when we do that with morality, when we do that with oh, righteousness, sure. when yep. we do that with justice, it's like there is an ultimate. Yes. There is, you know, what is, what is the word? The, uh, a telos? The, sure. There is, there is, is that the right word? Ultimate, I might be making a fool of myself. The thing that determines it all. Yes. Right? We know this is a chair because there is, there was the first chair. We know this is a table because there was the first table. We know this is, you know, I think Aristotle was credited with that. Um, and, and so when we talk about justice, it's like, what are we talking about? Because you can yeah. throw things out. And we were even having this discussion last night surrounding truth with uh, this this chapter or this uh, section in Titus where it's like well what is truth today it is hard to find anyone who's like well that's your truth that's my truth is and it's like stop saying truth I don't think you know what truth yeah, is yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's you perspective that word. you're saying perspective yeah but you, you're saying it weird. You're saying it like this. <laughs> I think, yeah, you mispronounced perspective. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's what it is. My perspective yeah, it's, of it's, yeah. events is, yeah, 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 and it's and you're degra degradating what truth is, which, as we, I think, rightfully have said here, is that truth is what God. Yeah, says truth is what God says, and there's no other way to understand it. So I looked, yeah. So telos, T E L O S. Thank you. Telos is a term used by the by philosopher Aristotle to refer to the final cause of a natural organ or entity. Thank you. Yes, Thanks. thank you. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was Aristotle, I wasn't sure. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, so like a cup, the other side of that is that a table is only, I mean, yeah, the, the table is only table-like insofar as it reflects a table, an archetypal table, mm -hmm. and and that is defined by its function. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, a cup with holes in it isn't a cup. Mm -hmm. It's a colander. Yeah, something mm -hmm. else, but it's not cuppy. You know, if if it's cupness. if it's cuppiness, if it's cupness, you know, is 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 anything less than a cup, then it's not really a cup. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah, it's, it's exactly the same. But way. you keep calling it a cup and hoping people will will say, okay, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. You keep on calling truth truth, but yeah. it doesn't really resemble truth because truth is exclusive and absolute. Yeah. And if something is true, it means its opposite isn't true. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying if you're using the word truth to talk about, you know, subjective uh, longings and 
you know, pursuits, then that's perspective. Yeah, yeah standpoint epistemology, yeah. it's a problem. Yeah, man. All that to say, that paper was uh, <laughs> was annoying to try to stay within. Yeah, I'm bounds. sure it was, but it sounds like your treatment of the topic was was uh, was sneaky and good. How did did you get any feedback? No. No. No, just uh, hey, you missed this citation here. Okay, sure. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How many people were in the class? I, was, I don't know. I was like twenty something now. And you're done with you passed the class now? Yeah. Does that mean so you're not done with your master's program though? No, I'll be done in December. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. And then what? Just the the, the ministry at Cadence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that what you see for the foreseeable future? I don't know. Um. On the one hand, yeah, of course. I I think my my entire life here moving on is always going to be ministry to the military. Because yeah. I think they are a people group that are largely overlooked. Sure. This is one of the most densely populated military areas in the world. Yeah. Here, this this area. Oh, yeah. And, and the amount of people who are like, ah. And the amount of churches are like, ah, someone else will. You know, and not breathing into this very forgotten people group. It's, it's surprising to me. You'll have new members classes, and I, and I don't want to. I don't want to step on toes or anything because I, I don't. I don't know for sure. Careful. I, I know. Careful. I know, but you'll have new members classes that are like year long, two years long. Well, ours isn't a year long. I think it's fourteen weeks. So, but, but I mean, which is which is okay. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to bash it. But you have, you have, um, new members classes that are like year long. It's like okay, they're finally members. They're gone in two months. Right. You see, like, there's there's an issue there. Well, you can't serve unless you're a member of the church. Right. It's like, well, it's going to take me forever to... So how are these military people, how are they able to engage in their sanctification? You know, the 50-some-odd the or whatever, one another's in the Bible or oh, in the sure. New Testament, you know, love one another, yeah. care for one another. How can you do that within a local church if you're not able to do anything yeah. because you're not a member yet because it takes a year to become to a become you member? Know? And it's that's very common in this area. It's like these people need the love of Jesus, and part of the love of Jesus is is the church, it, is yeah. the church, and being able to work out your yeah. What is um, oh shoot? I don't know. So all that to say, the military needs us, not us specifically, but you know what I mean. Like they need yeah. There there are people group. We. we we're going to serve it for as long as we can, whether that's with cadence or not. We don't. Okay. I mean, for now it is. But sure. Yeah. And would you? I mean, you you would stay in this in this area to do that, or you don't know? I don't know. Yeah. We've we've talked about going overseas. We talked about yeah. that kind of stuff, and we don't know. We don't know what God has for us right now. Yeah, no one really does. It's kind of the game. It's kind of. The game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a struggle. Yeah, my wife and I just went back to Ohio to visit. Uh, that's where we're both from. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like all of a sudden, maybe I shouldn't be saying this on a podcast that, everyone's, that I know is going to listen to, but maybe I'll edit it out. Anyway, all of a sudden, it's like we could so we could just move back to Ohio. Yeah. And like one of the, I don't know, it's hard because to some extent you feel like you're missionary dating I mean, because of this mindset, which is, like, we are different different Christians now than we were when we left Ohio. 
largely because of the church we're at now. Yeah. Which is a phenomenal church. Yes. Like one in a million. I agree. And so one of the thought processes is that moving back to Ohio, we would be able to serve that church in phenomenal ways and um, be be able to minister to that those those people with the gospel um, it, with a new maturity that has been acquired you know in all these subsequent sure. moves and whatever and is that uh, like is that a, a reasonable thing or is that just a justification of sentimentality yeah it's I don't know yeah but again like that's tough it's entirely possible that that's something that God wants for us mm-hmm and uh, but then but then obviously you get into the question of like what is calling are you I mean I don't even know I still don't know my wife and I were missionaries in El Salvador and she joined the army and all this stuff and every single time if you had asked us at the point of decision making at the event horizon are you called to this we would say yes but like looking back I don't know how we decided that and look like right now I don't know how to know if I'm called to something or not it's like yeah. So tell me, Joe. What am I? How, when when are you called? How do you know? When are you called? That's a good question. Well, what are some biblical yeah um, examples of callings? First uh, Peter, sure. Romans. First um, Peter. I can think of one specifically in uh, Acts sixteen. What's Acts sixteen? The Macedonian call. Paul. Um, what he has a dream, right? I don't know. I think it's something like that. Um, a vision in the night or something, and Paul sees this man from Macedonia basically saying, come to Macedonia and help us. Oh, okay. I mean, that's a, that that's would be helpful. Call, that's yeah. a calling, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could really use that right now. And that, that, one, that, whole, that whole instance is so interesting. Man. Acts 16 is interesting. But anyway. Um, what am I doing? First Peter. The calling... It's this is the this is the thing I I think to to some degree. Calling is a broad. The, the passage I'm thinking about is First um, Peter uh, two nine. You are a chosen race, uh, chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light mm-hmm. um and like that's a that's a similar we just got done going through hosea mm. and um that's a <laughs> gosh that was tough i led we split up half and half and i led um and it's it's a tough one to lead too because it's like it's so repetitive it's so cyclical it's like Condemnation, a, a hint of hope. Condemnation, a hint of hope, and then ultimate hope. But it's like, how do you lead through? Like, okay, well, this week, welcome back. We're in the next chapter. Remember that last welcome thing to we talked about? Condemnation and a hint of hope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hosea. I mean, uh, um, uh, I guess that's not as clear. I was thinking um, Hosea 6 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, the beginning, uh, it says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. Mm. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day, that we may live before him. So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord, who's going forth as a certain of the dawn, blah, blah, blah. And like, I, I'm trying to remember, there's a, 
there is a verse that talks about, gosh, I'm, I'm making myself, I'm making it clear that I'm an idiot. What's the verse that's, um, well, don't make it clear that I'm an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> I'm about to drag you in with me. Yeah. What's the verse that says um, you have been called for good works that have been prepared for you beforehand? Uh, Ephesians 2, yeah. 10. I knew that. Um, so, like, uh, let us know, let us press on and know the Lord. Like, that's that's our calling broadly. General. General versus specific. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know that we get, like, we're... In the present Christian context, we don't get dreams. I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't know. That's a hard generality to make. I, I guess. was about to say that's a, yeah. a firm line you put there. But like, <laughs> are you a cessationist? Uh, I would say I'm a soft cessationist. I would say that uh, when the, when the Bible isn't explicit, I tend to not be explicit. Does that make sense? Like oh, that, I understand what you're saying. Right. If the Bible doesn't yeah, yeah, explicitly yeah, yeah. say these have stopped, then I would not explicitly say these have stopped. I would say situationally, yeah, I'm probably more of a situational cessation. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> situation cessationism. But, uh, but uh, I would soft. Yeah, so like, I'm, I guess my point is that like, I, the chances that God is going to communicate to me via a vision or yeah. or a prophecy from, you know, like... That is not his modus operandi, largely, like broadly speaking. So, like this is his this is his prophecy to me right, right here. So, I mean the way you, the way you the way you I guess know what you're supposed to do is is read the Bible and pray. Mm -hmm. But then again, we're like we're back to the thing. Like in the past, I would have for sure said yes, I'm called here, but. Right now, I have no idea what I'm called to do, yeah. and I just—I guess you just trust that God will reveal it in, in a way that is meaningful and compelling mm -hmm. to you by His Word and, and Spirit. Mm -hmm. I don't know; it's tough. Well, I—I I mean, I hear what you're saying in that you're not sure what you're called to do, but in it, in another sense, you—you are. Very, yeah, I mean, there, there are very aware. clear. Yes, you are very aware of what you're called to do. Yeah. Um, it does, yeah, it's certainly no license to say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, so I'm just going to sit around and not really engage and just kind of tread water. I don't think that's what you're saying, but I mean, it can... But yeah, I mean, it's certainly a temptation, and I have done that in the past. And Who, who hasn't? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but obviously, yeah, you've been called to good works. That's right now. Yeah. You've been called to be a part of the body of Christ. Right. Yes. Right. Some some people might be the hands and feet uh, hands and feet of Jesus, but those hands and feet need the wrists and the ankles. Yeah. And you know, and you can go through the whole song, the ankle bones connected to the cankle. But, there you go. I'm, exactly. a, I'm a cankle. You're a cankle. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I don't either, Joe. I don't. Know. But uh, my my dad. No, no, I don't want to get into that. But uh, don't get into that. Don't bring up your dad. I won't. I won't. I like him though. I Are vote you? for him for president every year. Do you really? That, that I can't. <laughs> are you close? You're close to your dad. Yeah, I like my dad. Where does he? Where does he live? Yeah, West Virginia. Oh, nice. Mountain Mama. Yeah, baby. Take me home. Take me home. All right. So you grew up in West Virginia? No. No. We, I grew up here. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, the the Lower Hampton Roads. Oh wow. Yeah. And now well, you're back. Well, my dad was a Navy guy. Oh uh, my yeah. My parents yeah, yeah. met in the Navy. They got married a week later, or two weeks later, one of the two. Oh wow. Um, their first duty station was Hawaii. And then, uh, and then Guam. 
they I think they were saved. They you know they came to faith in Jesus in Hawaii, and then they went to Guam, and then they went to another place, and then another place, and ended up here. And basically, what I'm saying is they ended up here in in Virginia, and by the time I was around, I'm number eight of nine kids. Dang. And so by the time I was around. Uh, the way I like to say it is, you know, the Navy was like, we're not paying to move this giant family anywhere, so you're staying, you're staying here. Yeah. My dad did the last 13 years of his career here. Oh, wow. Or maybe 16 years, I don't know. Because that's pretty unusual. It is. So, like, I moved three times in my childhood, but that was only, you know, 10 minutes away from each house. Oh, you know? I got you. Whereas my wife, she moved 18 times before she was 18 Oof. all over the world. Yeah. You know, and not just all over the the United States, but all over the place. And so we have the opposite ends. I had that enlisted side of the Navy. Like, my dad was enlisted, and then Caitlin's parents, you know, Mike was an officer. Yeah. And um, she moved everywhere. I didn't. And we got the opposite ends of the military That's so interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's why we love the, the military so much. Cause she yeah, because you grew up in it. Yeah, I, uh, my brother is in the Army, and my wife served in the Army for four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I certainly, there's there's certainly an appeal to me about military culture. I very nearly joined a few times, yeah, but never ended up doing it. Yeah. But uh, here we are in Newport News because of the military. Mm-hmm. Do you like this area? It's fine. It's fine. I don't, I don't know if this is where I would want to... There are, there are areas that I've been to that I enjoy much more in terms of climate and... Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't like driving. It's like you can't do anything here without driving. Nope. Especially, I mean... Not a big fan of driving. Well, and if you... Like, you're in Virginia Beach, so if you're coming up here at all, you have to go through the tunnels. Stupid It's insane, man. All traffic is insane. I don't know. But, like, climate-wise, we love Colorado. We've been to Colorado a couple times. We've... I've been out to... Colorado is beautiful. It's, it's gorgeous out there. I've been I've been to San Diego. I like San Diego. Uh-huh. I don't like... Not, not a big fan of the, the people and the politics. driving. And the politics. Oh, and the driving. But, you know, the weather, oh, it's nice. It's... See, I, I get so, it's like seasonal, what is it called? Sad. Seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> seasonal affective disorder. I felt like when I was in San Diego, I wasn't even there for that long. I was there for, I don't know, probably three weeks. I don't know how yeah, long. I was living as, long as, I was living as a homeless man, <clears throat> and uh, I got a ticket for great, for vagrancy for sleeping on the beach at o- in Oceanside. Really? Yeah. Um... But I was there for, you know, however long. And it was, yeah, sunny and 75 every day. Right. Like, that's great. Is it? You don't, you don't like Is that? it great, Joe? Is it? I feel like I got, that's why I said, I feel like I got seasonal affective disorder in revert. Like, it was just too much. There was no variation. It was just I like. I see what you're saying. I don't know what's going on. I felt like a, I felt like oh, a I simulation. Oh, I could take seasons, too. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Ohio, and it's like, those are, well, same here. There are four distinct seasons in Ohio, mm. up, you know. Up a little further north, the four seasons are super distinct. Sure. And it's like they're beautiful. All of them are beautiful in their own in their own way. And summer is super mild, and winter is not. 
I don't know. It's just like you miss that when you're somewhere in this the same exact sunny weather every single day. That's a good point. Uh, so when we were out in Guam, we we actually did not enjoy that. We both don't really like the heat. Um, but Guam is 85 degrees year-round at like 2,000% humidity. It was Oof. just super... It's like when you got there and you took a shower, you didn't get dry until three years later when you left the island. Right. Front. It was <laughs> just like... It was just so humid. It was so Gosh. hot. And there was like one week in in December when you would get trade winds from Russia come down okay. and, and cool the island off to a brisk like 79. But then it would go right back up to, <laughs> to 85. And it was just... It was awful. Um, yeah, that's what I hated about El Salvador. It's the same. It, it's just it was constant. Yeah, in the so it, there are two seasons, and the yeah rainy season, not rainy season. and the dry season. Yeah. yeah, and the dry season isn't as bad. It's a little bit cooler, but it's still like it's just hot. It's yeah. just hot. It's not. It's not my not pleasant. Not my deal. <laughs> not pleasant. Yeah, this is again. Is this is this a calling to move back to Ohio because? Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I'm that's I'm being silly. But no, I yeah, back to the the calling piece. It's like what what is your specific calling? And I think that is something for you to wrestle with with God and, and well, I'm wrestling. Good. Yeah. Wrestle till your hip Yeah, till my hip is out of socket. Out of socket, yeah. yeah. It's a, but yeah, I think that's it's difficult to really know. It is difficult. To but know. you do know yeah, when God wants you to know, you know. Yeah. But you don't know how you know. Yeah. You know? You know? <laughs> well played. Yes. yes. Well played. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a good question. That is a good question. What have you been reading lately? Um, schoolwork. I School mean, stuff? All of, all of my extra... Do you have time for leisure reading? Nah. No. And I, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest reader in the world, I'll be honest, but... Uh, there have been things that I want to read that I'm just like, I don't really have the capacity. Yeah. What's on your list? Uh, we are actually about to go over, uh, the men in our group are about to go over a book called Unwanted, oh. uh, which is about unwanted sexual sin. And, and oh, how wow, to, yeah. yeah. It's a guy by, uh, a, a book by a guy named Jay Stringer, which apparently has done incredible work in people's lives. Wow. Uh, and so... You know, that was, someone was like, hey, you should go through this with your, your guys. And, and, you know, I put it out. It's like, is anyone interested in going through a book like this? And all of them were like, yes. I was like, all right, cool. Done. Yeah. So is this is this a group with um, other people in ministry, or is this no, the guys it's, that it's, you're... it's our sailors that okay, we're yeah. going to be uh, doing that with. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, uh, so that's, I don't know. There, there are other things I can't even think of, of what I'm trying to trying to read now, but everybody's always giving me suggestions. Well, you got new reading material there. Yeah. When Mr. You're ready Mr. Joseph Fletcher. Mr. Joseph Fletcher. Situation ethics. Yeah. Do you? So you don't preach anymore. You you used to, yeah, when you were yeah. at your last church. Yeah. So back in Guam. So. Oh, when you were in Guam. Yeah, that's what I think that was the last time. Well, no, that's not true. But so in Guam. Really, the reason why we are a part of Cadence in general is when we were in Guam, I was active duty, and we had some missionaries uh, there. They weren't Cadence missionaries, but they did the same kind of ministry, okay. hospitality house ministry. Um, and they were a, a guy named Dennis Kirkland, who 
pastor, preacher, teacher, seminary teacher for over like 30 years. Yep. Uh, he took me on as, you know, his mentee and he really taught me everything I know basically nice. when it comes to theology and doctrine and stuff like that. He really cemented a lot of that for me. Um, really eternally grateful for him. Like we would, we used to sit down at his table, um, you know, on just the weeknights and play cribbage and he would just be giving me like one-on-one seminary you know, oh, lectures and you know as we're playing cards. What is what is cribbage? Cribbage is it's a card game. Yeah. This is like a little pegboard. But yeah. Okay. It's a great game, man. You should check it out. Oh, you know what? Yeah. I, my good friend who lives here, he's always yeah. We're all, I'm watching out with him. He, I think he was trying to tell me about it. cribbage. Is great. It's a great game. Okay. That's not the point yes. of the story. Sorry, I, um, I interrupted. So you. anyway, he he and his wife were going back to the states uh, on like furlough or something to recoup support or something. Yeah. Um, and so he asked me and my wife if we would um, run his ministry yeah. for that year. I was still active duty. Caitlin had a had a job, and we we're but we were like, yeah, sure, we'll we'll do that. You know, it was just like a total god thing. We had to get out of our base housing anyway. They were like tearing down that section. And so we were like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll move into your house and we'll, we'll run your ministry for that wow. year. And then uh, about two months in, we're like, I think this is what we're supposed to do. Um, and as, um, as humbly as possible, I was doing extremely well in my Navy career. It was like, I was just, I went from E1 to E5 in two and a half years. Dang, dude. Uh, it, was, it was all earned. It wasn't like... You didn't sleep right at the top? Yeah. Say, say what? <laughs> I mean... It, I said you didn't sleep your way to the top. Oh, no, no, I didn't. I don't, I don't know how to do that. But uh, <laughs> I don't think they would want me. Um, wouldn't work, probably. No, I probably wouldn't. But uh, no, and so it was like everything was going well. And then it was like, okay, I think God's calling us out to ministry. Again, calling. like right. I, I But we really felt like this is it. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I remember going to my, um, my chief. I was like, all right, I need to start the out process. Yeah. I have about a year left. I need to start. And this guy looks at me like, you're throwing your entire life away. Do you know, you could be a chief in, in like four years. Like, you, yeah. like the way he was talking to me, he's like, you're throwing everything away. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I was like, that's kind of confirmation there, bud. Like, <laughs> thank you. It's like, thank you. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it was, it was one of those things. But as we were running the ministry, we took it over. It was a big PCS season, so there was only like five or six people left in the in the okay. in our Bible study group. But when the when Dennis came back, we there was about probably thirty, um, thirty to forty something like that. I don't know, uh, individuals and children. And and Dennis looked at that and he said, "Why don't we plant a church? Yeah, like we have this. Let's just plant a church out of this instead hmm. of just." And I was like, "Right on, let's do it." And so uh, we planted Reveille Bible Church. Um, which has since shut down. I mean, COVID wasn't helping. Yeah. Um, but that went that went on from you know, 2016 till 20, 2020 or 2021. I can't remember. But um, so that six months after uh, Dennis came back, we, we planted that church, and I got to preach every other Sunday or something like that. And, and Dennis really walked me through that. Nice. So my my preaching style is very exegetical. That's good. Uh, I like that. So, like, what does the text say? Yeah, one to one correspondence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, you got so, that from Dennis. I did. The guy was 
super humble, so super smart. Yeah. Very kind, very patient man. Those are Fa- good father in the faith really is what is what he was for me. So. Yeah. yeah. And he's is he still on the mission field? Is he still? No, they they've since come back. He's, um, they're in they're in Texas, I believe, but uh, yeah, he's not he's not on an active role. I think he's he's doing more. Um, pastoring other uh, other missionaries, I can't I can't remember the exact. I haven't spoke with him in a while, but, huh. but yeah. Do you miss preaching? I do. I, I I miss. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think. I think I'd like to to do that again. But it, it's it's a muscle, man. When you when you don't. Oh do yeah, it, for, like, I imagine really so. Work your way back into. It. I get to teach every week though, so so that's good. I, I do enjoy. Oh, at, for Cadence, mm-hmm. yeah. I do enjoy bringing people to the Word and and kind of guiding people through interpreting. Slowing down. I think that's the biggest thing. I think Slowing down? Yeah. I think all too often, at least the American Christian is just trying to, what's the fix? Come here. Give it, sure, give it yeah. to, it's like, let's slow down and enjoy God. And, and really, you know, I, I've been to Bible studies where they're going through, you know, entire books at a time. Oh, wow. Or one or two chapters at a time. It's like, let's slow down. Like, last night we spent an hour and a half on, on four, four verses. For four verses, yeah. And it's like, let's just slow down and see what God has for us here. And That's really good. Yeah, I, I love that. Just being able to enjoy God and His Word. Yeah, that's a tough thing. I mean, that's definitely something I think, well, I certainly struggle with, and I think probably most people do. Um like you say, enjoying God mm-hmm. as as a chief. Uh, I don't want to say objective. Well, no, it's a, it's like as a as a chief objective of reading the Word. Um, yeah, like that's certainly not the way I read the majority of the time. Sure, I would I would say same for me. Yeah, I think that's probably true for most most Christians. Is yeah. like I just read and like. Sometimes, a lot of times, I'm reading because I have a specific question in mind. Yeah. And, and like, intellectual knowledge is important. Um, but we don't want to, obviously, know God the way that Satan knows God. Sure. Because um, he knows all this stuff and trembles. Uh, but that doesn't help us to enjoy God. Enjoy Him. Yeah. So that's that's a that's a really good encouragement. Even just hearing hearing you say that's a really good encouragement to yeah. to take things slow and and try and especially dealing with stuff like what am I called to do specifically in a in a specific situation and moment like again that's quick reading or huge swaths of reading aren't probably as helpful mm. in those situations as being being in humble prayer and reading reading the the reading scripture word by word hmm. I think that's taking time yeah that's really encouraging yeah. so thank you yeah I'm all about that especially with um, the military culture that's go 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 go, go. yeah okay. that's the whole thing let's slow down yeah let's, let's slow down yeah. What's your what's the hardest part about ministry? I guess we already talked about the fact that it's so so transient. Is that the hardest part about? No, nah, the I think the hardest part um, for us. I mean, the hellos and goodbyes 
they are they do wear on you sure um but i think the hardest part is uh i was just talking about this with a couple guys earlier um it's it's more along the lines of feeling alone um mm. so like on and i'm sure a lot of pastors can if not you know missionaries definitely understand but pastors, I'm sure, would understand too this idea of like you, you, you kind of feel like you're on an island. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm where I grew up. I'm you know in the city where I was born in. Um, I'm surrounded by people that I've known my whole life, but I feel alone on mission. Wow. Um, it, it's it's really hard to feel like there are peers, especially with um, with a lot of a lot of my a lot of our sailors that that come in, like they're they're young. Not just in age, but in maturity, you know, spiritual maturity. There's, there's not that peer-to-peer kind of. Yeah. And so it, it really feels like you're kind of alone. My, my closest coworker, so to speak, in Cadence is like four hours away, Oof. and it's like I don't, I don't have that daily, you know, coworker kind of peer group. Yeah. That most people in America have, and so it's, it's really hard to not feel isolated. Mm-hmm. Even in your own country, even in your home. Do you have town. like what's the support like from your church? Like what's the support, per, personal support in ministry from from your local church? Right. So up until basically March, we we didn't have a church that we were. Oh, a part that's of. right. You yeah. I forgot yeah. you switched it up. Yeah. There's. I mean, that's a whole that's a yeah, whole yeah, yeah. podcast in itself, but. Um, we, we love our church right now, uh, Cornerstone Bible Church. is They are, oh man, they love the Word, and they love to talk to God. I mean, sometimes the you know pastoral prayers or whatever last seven minutes yeah. on a Sunday morning, it's like, yes, let's talk to God. Yeah. You know, and it's like, there's things like that where it's like, man, I, I love this church, I love these people. Um, and it has definitely been, you know, a season of, of, of drought for for us in terms of um, peer-to-peer spiritual community mm. um, but since coming to Cornerstone it's like oh gosh this is this is a nice drink of water that's yeah. awesome um, and so it has been it has been a lot better although we're still new you know yeah it's, it's still it takes so long it's fresh yeah it takes so long that's the that's the that's the thing. It shouldn't it shouldn't it take so long, but it does. It really does. I mean, like, I don't know. I've always been quick to make friends. I'm not I'm not super extroverted in terms of like if if the definition of extroversion and introversion are you get energy yeah. from being around people versus not, which I think is a perfectly reasonable definition of the yeah. two. Um, I would say I'm much more introverted. Same. But I've I've always been quick to make friends. I mean, you and I met, and you know, we hit it off, and it yeah. was great. And we, you know, um, but obviously, I don't know you in a in a really deep, meaningful way. In the, in the biblical, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, all nah, that to say, like, yeah, exactly. All that to say, like, I feel like this is maybe the first time that I have several guys at church that I'm. Like just very very close with. That's good. It's very good. Yeah. Um. But it it yeah it it didn't it took so long for that to it just takes so long of just seeing each other 
you know, over and over again, and slowly, you're both just you're you know, each party is kind of chipping away at, at yeah. whatever, mm -hmm. and eventually you're able to like really share things with each other and really be close with one another. Yeah. Um, and that's a really long process, and I don't know, I don't even know if my wife is there yet with anyone, honestly, yeah. which is hard to. That's another hard thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like to, if you're feeling isolated in in any meaningful sense and yeah you start going to a new church it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to have you know meaningful relationships and right. and interpersonal support and stuff yeah. it means that maybe that's on the horizon but right there's there's better opportunity for that absolutely yeah than to not yes yeah. henry relax dude come here the uh sometimes come the um Okay. The the more reformed side of of Christianity, you know, tends to look at things as well. God's doing it. God's doing it. God's doing it. God's doing it. Um, it's it's not workspace. It's not workspace. You know that that's the reformed side. It's of not things. workspace. It's not works based. Oh, works based. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the more reformed side of things, and yes, um, it's like yes, comma. Um, the in terms of salvation, it's not workspace. In terms of sanctification, God uses His people in order to sanctify the other ones. Yeah, that's what all the one another's are about. Yeah, sure. The, sanctification isn't workspace, but it is God working through you. If that makes sense, like you're not earning anything through your your works, but God is using um, His church. Yeah, works matter. I right, mean, yeah. right. I mean, we just said it. You are called. For the good works that God has said before, yeah, Ephesians exactly. two ten, yeah, um, and so works works do matter. But I feel like because you know I'm I'm of the reformed persuasion. Yes, it's like a lot of the people that I meet, they're like, no, we don't we don't do things, you know, you, you just are. And it's like, wow, that's tough. And it's like, come on, man, no, we got we have to do that. God tells us to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get those those kind of. Uh, what's the, what's the, the the pendulum swings too far. It's like yeah. come, come back, come back. We need we need to invest in, in one another, and so I I feel personally this is just my own um, thought processes when when we're talking about the the uh, the male relationships, uh, male to male within the context of a thriving godly community. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to do that I think in reform circles because it's like well we don't. We don't do anything. That's here. super interesting. I'm not sure I've I've experienced that, or maybe I'm just I just haven't been. Maybe I am on an island and I'm just not paying attention. Maybe I'm a unique case, but I feel like that is often. I, yeah, I just I mean maybe I'm just obtuse and I haven't really um, been aware of what's happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, obviously, there are certain there are you know faults in in reform in the in the reform community. Sure. I mean, obviously, you know, for any community. Um. I think one of the main one of the major faults is, like I was talking about earlier, like intellectual, intellectualizing everything, yeah, and um, not enjoying God, yeah. Um, but that's interesting that you you you've put kind of put your finger on a a reticence to to act. Mm. That's interesting. I don't know. There's uh, so a part of the nature of my mission is we're, we're ecumenical in the sense of within the Protestant denomination. Well, mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Sure. 
um, if you're the the nature of of my work with um, sailors is you get everyone from every different background so you'll have you know some who are Pentecostal some who are Baptist some are you know it, it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. they're coming from everywhere um, and so I've had to keep the main thing the main thing yes um, and not really care about those things that aren't the main thing um, or else you lose people and and then people don't grow in the main thing. And, and the way we usually describe that uh, within our ministry is, you know, closed hand, open hand. And closed hand things are like, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Yes. He is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except for him. Like that kind of stuff, right? Yep. Jesus died, of, or Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, uh, was convicted uh, innocently, uh, died on the cross um, sinlessly right rose, died was buried rose again is in heaven you know apostle creed kind of stuff sure that's that's close hand stuff you have to believe that that's salvific stuff that's the right? yeah yeah that's the, that's the gospel things over here like egalitarian versus complementarian is like well yeah i mean there's but does it really matter election versus free will yeah but does it really matter it's not salvific it just shows where you are maturity and how you interpret scripture yeah, I mean, I'd say it definitely matters. I think it matters, right? Too. I'm saying, but when it I comes understand. down to it, yeah, those are things that you can break community over. Yeah, they're they're intramural debates. But at the same time, let's keep the main thing the main thing. We're we're only with each other for like six months. Let's grow together over here. Yeah, and, and so this stuff has has really been on the forefront of a lot of our discussions. The the secondary tertiary issues. It's like, right. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. But in so doing, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time with, like, Pentecostals over the last three years. Okay. And unwittingly, they have pulled me over a little bit. And, and to where, you know, I can really enjoy God and stop intellectualizing everything. I can see the way that they're worshiping God in a way that I don't normally. Mm. Like, the way, the way that's natural for me to worship God is to be in his word and study and just look at who God is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, whereas more of the Pentecostal persuasion it's you know they want to feel god they want to, want to sing his praises they want to you know sure holy spirit fill this room it's sort of deal and it's like well that's weird you know to me it's like well that's come on can we just calm down and read it yeah, yeah. but it's like being able to be around christians who are you know genuine bible believing god-fearing christians who are able to do that it's like man let me try that out you know let me let me just see what that's like Keeping the main thing the main thing. Let's right. just look at this. And, and I feel like it has pulled me more to the center in terms of how I worship God. I don't, I don't know necessarily if my, my theology or if my doctrine has changed too much, but how I worship God hmm. isn't so much, well, let me just read his word. It's, well, let me sing his praises. Yes. Let, me, let me pray for a while. Let me, you know, that sort of deal. Does that make sense? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, there are, yeah, there are definitely more aspects to worshiping God than just reading the Bible. Yeah, I mean, which is an act of worship for sure. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, man. One of the one of the things I love about RCF is the the singing portion of the worship service. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, I've never been to a church where, like, a lot of the times in the past, it's been like. That was that was three songs, right? That's probably good. That was was that three? Yeah. Yeah, we got one more. But <laughs> but at this at RCF it's it's very much the opposite. Like oftentimes 
at the end of the work at the end of the set i'm like let's just do one more yeah. can we just sing crown with many crowns again yeah like and and it is a very i don't know it's hard like when you talk about um um moving towards pentecostals and like that makes me uncomfortable why so um I think it's because I I see feelings as dangerous. Which, oh yeah, I do too. Yeah. Which. Uh, yeah, and then you have to go back to defining terms again. Yeah, I agree. Um. But I think one of the er- one of the problems with Pentecostal. Ism. Ism. Thank you. Is obviously. There's a slide every 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 there's always a slide. There's always a slide. So yep. the reformedum, you slide to frozen chosen and yep. intellectualizing everything to death, and that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, you have you know Pentecostalism, Henry, Stein, which is like Stein. extreme free will and extreme extreme ownership. No, that's yeah. a different thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, extreme free will. Um, or God do basically we, isn't God anymore. Right. Do, do what the Spirit... Go where the Spirit leads, yeah. which, again, we're... we're it's like, what spirit, spirit are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so to, to hear you say, you know, quote, moving to the... You said moving to the center? Move, moving yeah, more to the right, center. Right, that's yeah. what you said. Yeah, to hear you say moving more towards the center. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm right, obviously, but, like... My everything in me wants to be like Joe. Don't do don't it. do it. Yeah, stay it's, with, stay with cold intellectualism. Yeah, I'll tell you what I do. <laughs> I do. But you know, I, I, I get struck by uh, when Jesus says, you know, having a faith like a child. Sure. Faith like a child is not intellectual. No. Faith like a child is is understanding, enjoying, and, and being with huh. Jesus. Yeah, that's good. And it's like, man, I don't do that. Those Christians who I know are. Christians are doing that. Let me just see what they're doing. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. Not so much like well, I'm gonna, because I mean, when you when you get down to like doctrine, theology, it's like, man, can you guys like mature a little bit? Because you're talking about stuff that's that's so not biblical. Can right. we, just, you know? Yeah, yeah. But in, in terms of how they worship Jesus, and just historically, it looks different from how I do. And it's yeah. like, but they are worshiping the Son of God. Let me just see how they're doing it. And if it's uncomfortable, then I'll stop. Yeah. And if it's not, then we can praise Jesus together. Well, even if it's uncomfortable, doesn't mean you should stop. If it's, I don't know. Sometimes. It... <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But that shouldn't be the ultimate. Obviously. No, no. I, I, I know you're not saying like right. that. That's the ultimate metric. But it, you know, it can be. That can also be a problem if it's uncomfortable. I'll stop. But but it's biblical. Yeah. But it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm also I'm also of the persuasion that um, denominations are it's probably a good thing that we oh, yeah? we separate ourselves. I, I think about when when Paul and Barnabas separate. Mm. You know, Barnabas is like, "Can we bring my cousin? Like, <laughs> can John Mark come?" And Paul's like, "Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> you know what that guy did? No." And then um, and they separated. and They went two different ways. Like, huh. They disagreed on something. Yeah. But they went, like, uh, you know, reform churches and. And even some, you know, Baptist persuasions or Pentecostal persuasions, they don't agree on everything. Yeah. But they, you know, on the main thing, the main thing. It's probably good that we are able to be in separate churches, denominationally, 
serving well, Jesus, yes, and making his name known, um, without arguing constantly. That's a big deal, and and with, like, so. A Presbyterian has his convictions, and I have my convictions. Right, and we both think we're biblically correct. So, yeah. So because of that, we're each drawn to communities that share those, you know, in some ways opposing convictions. Mm-hmm. We each need community. We're not going to find it together right. as as holy, holy W H O, not holy. H-O, I got yeah. you. As holy as we will in like Separate. spheres. Yeah. Um, but I want a Presbyterian in my foxhole if we're arguing the gospel with an unbeliever. Preach. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I agree. A, that's a good... Uh, well, I th- yeah, one of the best contemporary examples of that was um, has has been MacArthur and Sproul. Um, mm. I mean, obviously Sproul's a Calvinist now and uh, not not Presbyterian. I guess he was always a Calvinist. He's not Presbyterian anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were always they even debated, you know, fairly often. But one of the things that they always said about each other was he's one of my, you know, most dearly beloved brothers in Christ. Like there's no And that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a there's a a chaplain friend of mine um that I met back in 2019. His name is Tim Lee and he's Assemblies of God. Okay. Um dear brother Right, like we we've preached the gospel together, and we differ so strongly on on like secondary, tertiary issues. Right, we we differ, but we keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, I feel like it, that's my that's my slogan. By the way, keep the main, keep thing, the main, main thing. thing the main thing. But it's like um, he is one of those people who's like that is that is a dear brother in, in the faith. Man, we don't agree on a lot of things. Yeah, um, and but we. We do love Jesus, right? And it's both of us love Jesus. And yeah, it's along those same lines. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, obviously, that's that's what separates us broadly from the world mm-hmm. is the folly that is the gospel, mm-hmm. the folly to those who are perishing. And yeah, we can disagree on really important things. Um, but yeah, still be unified in the gospel, and that's really good. Mm-hmm. Where are you at right now? What theologically? I don't know. What, like, what, where are you at? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know either. <laughs> I am. I mean, I'm sold out to uh, reform, though, for sure. Well, sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I didn't used to be. Um, I think it's a mark of maturity. Oh, I certainly. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Um, yeah, I used to kind of. Well, for a while, I was a four-point four Calvinist, one of those guys. Four and a half point. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know about that limited atonement. I don't know about limited atonement. <laughs> Which uh, doesn't even make sense. I mean, to say four-point, I mean, yeah. In retrospect, it's like, well, yeah, so you're not a Calvinist then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just say, no, I'm not a Calvinist. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, so, for a while at RCF... I, I'm fairly contrarian in a lot of ways. Are you now? No. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, and so, like, I find some degree of satisfaction in, in saying, like, the opposite of the of the current thing. Yeah. 
So like at RCF, when we started going to RCF, that was kind of one of the deals was like, um, people would talk about Calvinism and it's like, I would often try and say, I don't even know what I said now. Like in thinking back, like, you know, well, Calvinism maybe is right, but like, I, let's just call it, let's just say we believe the gospel. We don't have to talk, we don't have to align ourselves with some sure. dude. Yeah. Um, Whereas now I, I would definitely say I'm a, I am a Calvinist, mm-hmm. and I yeah I've long well not long since at least two or three two and a half years whatever that you know sold out to to Calvinism writ large just because well one of the one of the things that I always say when I'm talking to people who are very strong believers my uncle is one of these guys he's one of the he's yeah, one of the strongest Christians I've ever met. And he defined me as a believer in a lot of ways. He's a pastor in Ohio, um, super faithful man of God. And uh, he's not a Calvin, he's not reformed. But I always, I've told him and I tell other people when I t- when he comes up in conversation, he's the most reformed, non-reformed guy I've ever met. Yeah. Like, like if you hear him preach, he preaches on the sovereignty of God and and... Um, grace offered to God's people freely and mm-hmm. not by works, you know. And it's like, yeah, the 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 idea that he says he's not a Calvinist blows my mind. Yeah. And it's like, and that's that's one of the reasons I I have I'm so much more I'm so much more confident to say I'm a Calvinist because when I talk to him and we talk about it, one of the main things I bring up is that. One of my main arguments is that the risk there's a risk in in other Christian perspectives, even if they're very faithful perspectives, of seeing man as higher than he is. Hmm. In strict Calvinism, there's no risk of that. I mean, obviously, you can personally drift and and that become a, a problem for you right. personally, but you can't judge a world worldview by its abuse. So, in Calvinism, the real Calvinism. There's no, there's no ambiguity. God is top, and everything else is under His control and command, mm-hmm. and that's super important if you're going to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus and a meaningful understanding of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone who's not a Calvinist, who who doesn't who doesn't um, purport to be a Calvinist or, or you know, conf- yeah, what am I trying to say? Who is not a Calvinist? Um, there's a potential that because you haven't set that hard, hard line, there's a potential to say, to, to come to a conclusion that, well, some of it is... Some of it is me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's a problem. I, I, I agree. Yeah. So I think when you say that's a mark, it's a mark of maturity. I think I would humbly agree with you mm-hmm. that we are the most mature. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I would not say that somebody who believes that they can... Like, what's the, uh, what am I trying to say? I, I would not say, I don't want to do double negatives, but I don't know how not to. You just did it again. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Um, someone who says that they choose God, God doesn't choose them, right? That The more free will yep. kind of. I would not say that that person is not a Christian. Sure. Um, I would say that they're probably not mature. Yes. Um, because it is inescapable in the epistles. Yeah. I mean, inescapable. it's everywhere. 
elect, 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 predestined, 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 from the beginning of the age, from the beginning of the age. You know, it's, it's everywhere. Yes. It's like you really have to... Well, so when I ask those guys, like, what do you do with Romans 9? Like, do you, or Ephesians 2, 10, or, yeah, Ephesians 2, Ephesians well, 1. Yeah, well, you, basically, I, I mean, the, the argument that I've heard, and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, anyway. Uh, you can, you can, you okay, can. It's fine. Yeah. Like, a lot of the argument I, I hear is like, well, you, you have to read into the text, right? It's like, so, well, what do you do with God predestined? Well, that just, well, what do you mean? God foreknew. Well, he knew that that I was going to choose him, and so yeah. he chose me from the beginning. It's like, why does that matter? Why, why does it matter if you chose him first? Why, what do you gain? Well, also, you're, that's the problem right there. Yeah. You distilled the problem because all of a sudden you have put your choice in. But God is so gracious to give us that choice. It's like, yeah. what do you? But you, but you, yeah. There is, there is a highest. Yeah. There is a highest. Yeah. And if you chose God first, and therefore He chose you. Yeah. You know, you're. Then we're in. Then we're in Molinism territory. And and it, it also has this idea that God isn't now. That God isn't now, so so to speak. You know, God says, "I am that I am. I am. I wasn't. Was. I'm not. I'm going Will to be. be yeah. I am." So when you choose in time, God's already there and at the beginning and at the, he's there. Right. To assume that that you have any say in what God is doing at what time ever is so bizarre to me. It's myopic. I mean, I don't mean to be rude, but No, you're fine. Like, I don't know. The the thing that confuse this changes the topic a little bit. The thing that confuses me about that is Jesus has a body. So I had this conversation that's, with my uncle. This, that's weird. It's weird. How so? Is Jesus at the beginning on the cross right now, and you know, coming back right now, but not, but yes, but no? Like I don't understand how that works. I also did he have a body in eternity past? Ooh, that was what I, that was. That's one of the the things that my wife and I had t- I've talked about in the past. I think that's the thing where you're like, you got a guy. Yeah, I don't know. I'll figure out later. <laughs> that that confuses me. The, the thought that Jesus isn't, you know... Yeah, if he's truly omnipotent, which he is... Omnipresent. And yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I meant, sorry, omnipresent. Yeah. Um, yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, what does it mean? And, and that's the kind of stuff where it's like, we you can dig, 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 and come to nothing. Yep. And, and also come to a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense, that contradict each other in that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the hypostatic union, I think, is key there, mm-hmm. which is, you know... So his his physical, fleshly body, doesn't need to be. I don't know, dude. Just don't, I should stop just talking. Stop. Just, <laughs> edit, just edit all that out. Yeah. We look like Everything. Idiots. We should start over. Can we start over yeah, and start just over. delete? The... Hi. <laughs> so Joe Fletcher, yeah. I have a book for you. Oh. Um, it's what already is, open. What is this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh no! no. <laughs> Thank you for playing. You're welcome. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah um, I think that's where I am. And I can't decide what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Yeah. I mean, obviously, besides being a part of a local church and um, ministering to everyone. Yeah. yeah, I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't know either. I think, yeah. It's so tough. We had a we had a missionary come to our church uh, relatively recently to uh, 
talk, and then he he prot on the following Sunday, and um, yeah, is like that, that is that the the actual? I'm I am prot? pushing for it. Prot. Yeah. Because preached it just doesn't it's sound right. So stupid. It's 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 a dumb word. It's a dumb word. Yeah. <laughs> um. But he talked about um, calling. Hmm. Like there was one specific instance in which they were told they, they so they were mission they are well were I guess missionaries in the Middle East and they were told to leave the country sure. and they felt called to deny that request yeah, yeah. well command yeah yeah and so we we kind of dialogued about like how like. What does that mean? You you were called to deny like, mm. yeah. And his what he said was basically, well, it was a lot of it's a lot of this like general calling plays mm-hmm. into it um, quite a bit. Like if you're reading the word and the word says, you know, feed the feed the hungry and and clothe the naked and. Um, do justice and seek mercy and walk humbly with your God. Like those all play into a decision in a, a, a split a split second decision. Those all th- those ha- those things have to dictate the decisions that you make, right. even on a on a moment to moment basis. Sure. But he also talked about them praying and talking to people whose counsel they they trust. You know, godly counsel, and just at the end of all of that really being feeling convicted that to say no was the right thing. And then obviously there were some some very specific um, events that that occurred. People, you know, missed misplaced paperwork or let them through where, where people weren't supposed to be let through, you know, all this stuff. So there's a lot of that too. And so I guess I guess his his take on what is calling is that it's a little bit of everything. It's, you know, it's the spirit speaking to you. It's you seeking God in prayer. It's yeah. you know, seeking the God in the Word, talking to people, um, being aware of the the actual temporal events that are going on, yeah. and relying on God to help you interpret all that. I guess I don't know, mm-hmm. yeah. which doesn't help. I still have no idea. Okay, is it like I've often I've often said that. Christians don't say, well, maybe Calvinists, the more Reformed stuff, they don't often say, I don't know. I sure. feel like we should often say, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Like, Otherwise, you know, we're lying. Do you know how awesome and mighty God is for you to just assume you know? I don't know. I, I feel like we're, we're too quick to say, well, this is it, instead of, I don't know. Because, like, whenever you know God, how small is that God that you can understand it? Yeah. Like, God should be so large that you cannot see the beginning from the end, that you cannot see the top from the bottom. You have no idea. He's just so large. Yeah. That we have so much. I mean, that's not to say that God has not made things plain. Well, he's made himself known. He, he has made himself yeah. known. Um, but there are, there are things that we just won't know. Yeah. And we just can't know. Well, I don't know about can't. The things that we don't know. And I, feel I like, certainly think there are things that we can't know. Uh, that's, that's a good question. Well, I mean, I don't think that the I God know, wants like, to be known. He wants to be known. Yes. What, what can't be known? Give me an example. I can't explain 
the I mean the 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 most foundational uh, dilemma in Calvinism is free will versus God's sovereignty. Of course. Um, which is a very it's I mean that's a tough. So I I can't I don't think we can know exactly how. <laughs> are you getting? <laughs> For those listening, which is everyone, Joe is uh, getting situation ethics ready and flipping to answer me from from the wisdom of Mr. Fletcher. Um, I don't think we can know precisely how how God's sovereignty and and my free will operate in concert. Because I think they do. Mm -hmm. Um, Agreed. I mean, God commanded people to do something and then had them slaughtered because that thing was an evil thing or the met- or the or the way in which they did it was evil maybe that's a more precise way to say it so like yeah that's a i, th- I think we can't know we that we can't know that always what about i mean in eternity that's that's the question i mean that's the thing and even even now even well i mean i still think even in eternity there are going to be things i i that we can't know or that we won't know? That we won't know. I mean, obviously, there are aspects of... Are you fine? Oh, no. Okay. We'll wrap it up. There you go. What I can know is that my daughter's throwing Is that she's throwing up? Yeah. I, yeah, to, to, to finish this, the thought, I yeah. think that... Um, I think that we'll still be learning about God for all eternity. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever know yeah. entirely. Yeah. But I think there's a, be- a better shot of knowing <laughs> yeah. on that on that, on that that side. Yeah. All I have to say. All I have to say. Your daughter's throwing up. My daughter's throwing up, so we're going to end it. Although it's also been a really long episode anyway, so I think Sorry. we said all the things. I feel oh. like I can just I can talk long. Dude, I, you should come back and talk longer. Okay. Um, Give me something to talk about next time. I will. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. You surprised me with... With Joey. With my uh, my written work that I produced yeah, after I time-traveled. Yeah. The thing is, I just had a podcast with um, the executive director of CareNet. CareNet. Yeah, which is a, a pregnancy center that serves women who are abortion-minded. Um, nice. Yeah, it's good. But I, I was so determined to, like, have a good discussion with him. I wrote down questions. I was like on it and I, I wanted to do that for this as well I think that's what I need to do for every single conversation yeah. but I, I ended up with so many other things on my plate that never didn't happen so I apologize okay. if it felt stilted or if uh, anyway alright thank you for coming Joe yeah it was great I, I enjoyed being here uh, good uh, just like and subscribe yeah don't do that <laughs> can I take a picture yeah, <laughs> yeah, hold up. No, no, Please. no, I don't want to be associated. Yeah, you do. More than I already have. That's awesome. Uh, have a good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't eat cake.